Hi, and welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast from the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture. I'm Dr. Brady Brewer, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Agricultural Economics. Joining me today are members of the Purdue's uh, Farm Transition Team, uh, Renee Wyatt, Dr. Maria Marshall, and Heather Caldwell. Today's podcast focuses focuses on another farm transition topic, which is conflict management. So I wanna take a, a brief moment here to pause and just remind listeners that this is part of the farm transition series. So the link uh, to the previous episodes in this series will be in the description to this podcast. And I also want uh, to make a call out to the fact that the, the farm transition team also has a YouTube channel. Um, so if you go to YouTube and search the Purdue Institute for Family Business, uh, this team also does YouTube videos on this partic- particular uh, topic. So another great resource for you to use on your farm as well. Uh, so with that, I want to uh, give our speakers a brief chance to introduce themselves. So Heather, you are the new one on the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself first? Sure, thanks. Uh, my name is Heather Caldwell. I am uh, the County Extension Director in the 4-H and Ag and Natural Resources Uh, educator in Fayette County. Uh, Renee, do you want to go next? Yeah, my name is Renee Wyatt. I'm the Family Business Management Specialist for the Purdue Institute for Family Business, and I also work in the research and extension side of the North Central Regional Center for Rural Development, um, now housed at Purdue as well. And Dr. Marshall. I'm Maria Marshall. I'm a professor in the Department of Agriculture Economics, the director of the Purdue Institute for Family Business and the North Central Regional Center for Rural Development, the NCRCRD. So you guys are are a busy group. Um, So I'm I'm particularly excited about today's topic because as we've gone through this series, uh, conflict management is one that's uh, really popped up in a lot of the other uh, topics we've done. Uh, So we're going to take a more formal approach today when thinking about conflict management and really define it and then go through some of the areas that you can take to resolve conflicts. But let's start um, at, at the very beginning. So Maria, I'll start with you. What, when we think of conflict, what is, what is the conflict we're talking about here today? Well, um, I want to take a step back and even say that conflict is not a bad thing. So we tend to think of conflict as something that's bad. Um, But really, we have a conflict every time we try to decide what time we're going to have dinner or where we're going to go for dinner. That's a mini conflict, right? We have to decide, do we want to compromise? Do we want to accommodate? Who has the most constraints? And so conflict is not bad. It can go from little things to really big things when we think about transition. But a lot of times, it's about when we're trying to change something, when we're going through some kind of change process, we're going to have conflict. Uh, of some way because I'm trying to get my needs met, you try to get your needs met, and that that constitutes a conflict. Um, so that's that's what we talk about conflict is when people are trying to really get together to figure out whose needs are going to be met and how they're going to and how we're going to meet them. So this isn't necessarily like two people yelling at each other. This is, I think that there's a path forward, and you may disagree, and we're going to have to come to a compromise. Correct. Conflict does not need to have any raised voices um, at all. Hopefully, if we've done our job right, it won't get to that. Um, So, yes, no, it it doesn't need to be like it's just trying to figure out how do we make a decision. Um, That's really a conflict is how do we try to make a decision about something? And you might even agree on the final outcome, but you might not agree on how to get there. 
Yeah, so a lot of intricacies with, with what we're calling a conflict here today. Uh, so Renee, uh, let me ask you, what are the levels of conflict that we see typically in, in a transition process for a farm? Yeah, so there's three main parties that can be part of these levels of conflict. So at the bottom level, we have an individual. So individuals can have conflicts with each other. Um, the next level up is a group. And so you could have an individual having a conflict with a group or two groups having a conflict. And then at the top there, we have an organization. So we can have an individual having a conflict with their organization as a whole. We could have some groups having conflict with organizations, organizations having conflicts with each other. We can, you know, it can get as complicated as you can imagine with these three levels, but we have organization, group, and individuals. And those are the three levels of conflict that we like to talk about. Now, um, do, you, do you have any data which one of these types of conflicts are, are, is most prevalent for a farm? Is it individual to other individual or is it more individual to organization? So since we have these complex, often relative type um, interactions on a lot of farms, I don't have data to back this up, but I think most people would agree that individual level conflict is going to be your biggest source on a farm. So these, the, the conflict that we're talking about here today can come from several different sources. So Heather, do you want to detail maybe the, the sources of where all this conflict is coming from in a farm transition? Yeah, so like you said, there's many reasons or sources for conflict. Um, one of them is different goals. So does someone want to continue in the farm? Is someone wanting to be off the farm? Does someone want to sell the farm? What is the ultimate goal of the person uh, or the persons who are involved in this so-called conflict. Um, another is personality differences. Um, we all deal with people with different personalities um, in our lives. And when it's our family, sometimes that can be super emotional um, and just become a difficult situation. So maybe one person is a, a narrative speaker and another person, um, their personality is that they wanna get to the point and get a solution solved. Uh, so working through personality styles uh, is another type. Um, scarce resources. So, you know, where's the money coming from? Where's it going? Is there enough? These are questions that can cause conflict. Um, financial resources is always um, a source of tension in relationships, no matter who you're dealing with, whether it's your family or not. So um, that's definitely one of them. Another is just style. Everybody has different styles. Um, how do they handle situations? How do they, as we're talking about today, how do they handle con this conflict? Um, are, are they going to avoid the situation? Or are they going to dig right in? So what's our style? And then finally, um, values is another um, reason for, for conflict. Um, you know, as we mentioned, is it, does someone want to keep the family farm going? Is that a value to them? Um, and, and it, can you even go past that? What are their personal values in their personal life? And so how are these situations going to affect how they want to resolve conflict? The values is the one that's the most difficult to overcome and work through a lot of times, just because values are so unique to each individual and they're, they're very important to people and they're very personal. Yeah, that's even amongst family, it sounds like uh, values can be drastically different from each member of the family. Uh, and, you know, the one I think that hit home for me was the communication style. I'm very introverted and I tend to uh, bottle up my thoughts a lot of times. And sometimes it's difficult for me to deal with people that are more open with their thoughts because um, it can come across as, as abrasive. And, and sometimes just knowing 
their communication style can help me be like, no, they don't mean it personal. They're just expressing their opinion because they think that's the right thing to do. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree. And sometimes just putting it out there and talking about it, what is your personality style? How are you typically approaching conflict? Because if we know that about each other, then as you just mentioned, we are not taking it personally. We're just realizing that's how that person communicates. So we got these sources of conflict, but I, I think what we're probably going to discuss a, a fair amount today is, okay, well, we got these conflicts, but how, how can we resolve them or, or how can we avoid them all together? Uh, so Dr. Marshall, I, I want to uh, kick this back to you. What, what are some things that we can think about ways to resolve or avoid the conflict? Well, we probably in some ways, when we're talking about family businesses working together, families on the farm working together, holidays together, you're not going to avoid conflict, right? Because it's just, you're making decisions and you have to decide those. So one of the things, avoiding, having an avoiding mechanism is okay, because not all conflicts you need to deal with right away, but thinking through not pushing them aside too much. So one of the questions that we've asked in our survey before is, well, do you have any conflict related to succession planning, for example? And we got a lot of people that said, no, 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 we don't. And then we said, well, let's ask again, how often do you talk about succession planning? No, we'd only talk about it when we need to, right? That's an avoiding of conflict. It's, oh, we only talk about it when it comes up, so we don't have any conflict. <laughs> so what, so we, what, what you're telling me is that my personality and communication style to not get it out there falls in line with a lot of people. Uh, I just avoid it. Right. Um, and funny thing is, when I, I actually did these TKI, I will talk about the conflict modes with my students, which are about to go enter their family farms. And 90% um, of them were had an avoiding as one of their primary modes, which means that, you know, it also depends on where you are a stage in life, right? But if you think about two or three generations and this next generation coming in, they're coming out of college, and they're trying to avoid the conflict by not saying, hey, you need to change this, or my opinion's not being heard, right? So they tend to get this avoiding, they're avoiding the conflict, but not by not saying, hey, this doesn't work for me to the next generation and bottling that up. And so our kind of, our preface is let's not bottle it up. There are a lot of ways of being talking through things where you might disagree and want change. So avoidance isn't really the answer. That doesn't mean that you don't have conflict. It just means that everybody's bottling it up and maybe telling their spouse when they get home. <laughs> so maybe I have this very idealistic view that we should be avoiding it, but, but it sounds like we need to be hitting it head on and, and discussing this with our uh, family members. Yes, and at the appropriate time, I think some of the things that we said is not uh, not all conflict has to be dealt with at the time in that minute in that in that particular place when we're angry or things like that. But that we do need to have this open communication means that you're gonna and open communication doesn't mean you don't have conflict, right? It just means that you're starting to talk through the process of whatever decisions you need to make, and there's a lot of decisions to be made within a business, a family business, and in between those two units. So avoiding is one way. Uh, Renee, what are some other ways that we can address this conflict? 
Yeah, so Maria and I um, have been certified in the Thomas Kilman Conflict Mode Instrument. We'll just call it the TKI for short. And so basically under the TKI, there are five main conflict handling modes. Um, the first one that I'm going to talk about is competing. So this would be very assertive and not very cooperative. So when you think about a competitive conflict mode, you're having to take quick action, maybe making an unpopular decision, you might be um, standing up for vital issues or even protecting yourself. When we think about the competing style, we can say, you know, the person might say, well, it's my way or the highway. So um, some, some ways we would see this used maybe as if there's like a vital decision that needs to be made. Say there's an emergency on the farm. A decision has to be made right now to take care and contain this emergency. That might be a good time to use that competing style. Sounds like for, for me, I'm, I'm putting myself into this uh, interjecting again. Uh, this is not something I would probably use, but I can see where this could be very useful for a lot of people um, mm -hmm. to interject and, and compete for, for that resolution. Mm -hmm. um, Maria, what about, what about collaborating? How does collaborating play out uh, for, for seeking a resolution? So in some ways, collaborating is the completely opposite. And so one thing to think about is none of these modes are good or bad. You actually use all of them and should use all of these modes, depending on the situation. So you don't want to say some of us, though, when we're under stress, we go to a particular mode. That's our like that's the arm. That's our right arm. Right. If you're right handed, you go to your right arm. But we need to use both our arms <laughs> to kind of do things. And so thinking of these modes as these are things that you need to get good at and look at the situation to decide what you're going to do. So collaborating is when both of the people, let's say it's a conflict between two people, both of them win. It's when you're taking your needs are accounted for and the needs of the other person is accounted for. So um, we would think that in within a family unit, you want to have a lot of collaboration. You want to have a lot of win-win, right? Um, so it's when you think of like, well, two heads are better than one, right? It's kind of like that, that type of collaboration. Um, in an organization, you would want to have a collaborating style. That means both people feel heard. You're taking everybody's into account. But if you did it too much, you'd have to make a decision about where do you put the coffee maker? Everybody has to agree, right? So that's the extreme of collaborating, right? Uh, versus the extreme of competing that says, well, I'm gonna put it here and I don't care how anybody else thinks about it. So they're kind of two opposites. Heather, what about compromising? Uh, I'm interested to know how compromising is different from this collaborating and competing mindset. Compromising is really the middle ground of these different uh, solutions. So it's where both parties are really willing to give a little. You know, we're all people who all have strong personalities, whether we're quiet about it or whether we're loud about it. We're all strong in one way or another. And compromising is where you've got to come to an agreement at certain times uh, where both of you can win. Like Maria mentioned, it's a, that can be a win-win for both people. You both have to give up a little bit, but you're also going to win a little bit. And it's really a good place to be in a family uh, conflict because it helps relationships not become fractured. And then Renee, the last one, how is accommodating fit into uh, avoiding or, I sorry, I shouldn't say avoiding, 
uh, resolving conflict. <laughs> yeah. So when we think about accommodating, we think about letting the other one, the other person win, right? We're very cooperative. You know, it would, you could say, you know, it would be my pleasure to accommodate you in this conflict and let you win in this conflict. You know, um, some people might use the accommodating um, conflict style to kind of um, create goodwill that they can use at a later date. So they could bring it up, you know, I let you win on this. So on this issue, the next issue, why don't we let me win on this? You know, so it can really, it can um, (laughs) give you a chip to play later, kind of. Um, You can also use it if you're trying to show that you're reasonable. You don't want to be too pushy on a certain topic. You can use it. Um, Sometimes we use it just to keep the peace. And sometimes in family businesses, you might realize that you're wrong. And so you might just need to accommodate the other person, say, yep, I messed up. I was wrong. Let me accommodate you. You were right here. Is there any particular mix or so, Maria, you said that we're probably going to use all five. Do is there any particular mix that you have found optimal or is is that going to be very dependent upon the situation and the person? actually very dependent on the situation and the person in a really great functioning family business you're probably going to have more collaborating that's what you would want to opt for but you know there's are the extremes and get away from competing that much because in competing the only my only my needs are being met not the other person's needs at all and so there are times and places for all of them avoidance is one right so if some you might want to avoid Right. By saying, hey, you know, I kind of have to think about this decision. So I need to come back tomorrow and and really talk to you about it. Right. So there is a definitely a place for avoiding a conflict. So you just want to really think about what situations and when you're under stress, what do you go toward? Because if you're a competing person and that's what kind of that's the reaction you have. But the other person you're dealing with is an accommodating or avoiding person. You can kind of see how that's going to start to build resentment on the person who avoids and accommodates all the time, right? And so what you you want to make sure is like, okay, if I'm always competing, if I always need to win and the, the people around me are accommodating me, you get a lot of people that just say, yes, sure, sure. And so you don't get great ideas, don't get, uh, you don't get great ideas from your people who are working with you, from your fellow family members. And so a lot of times uh, we'll do the TKI from a family setting and in a business setting. And if, a, if your coworkers are really different in a family setting than they are at work, then that means maybe the person who's in charge at work is a very competing person and it stifles all of the others into being avoiders or accommodators. So it's really great a lot of times to see how do people deal with conflict in a family setting and in a, in a family business organization, because then you can kind of say, hey, no, you're avoiding the conflict. Let's talk about it. And to the computer, you have to say, hey, take a minute. Let's all get our voices heard so that we can we can move forward. So that's that's the reason why we use all of these kind of flex our muscles. Um, the older they are, we are sometimes, the better we are at being able to flex them all. So it's like life stage. But we also have to be careful that when we're stressed, we tend to go to what's comfortable, which in a conflict, we're stressed, right? We're making decisions and figure out, well, I'm going back to my bad habits of competing all the time or accommodating all the time. And I really wanted to say no to this pink, pink, pink color. <laughs> and, and all of it, and I really resent that this is pink colors on the wall and it's pink and I accommodate it because I didn't want to conflict, <laughs> right? 
I mean, it can be something as silly, but can get something as silly as that can become a huge issue, right? Because you didn't get your voice heard. And so now you're like, you're constantly looking at a pink wall, right? It seems silly, but over accumulated of, accumulation of time, it becomes a really big thing. So one question that I have with all this conflict management, so taking this back to like a farm transition issue, a lot of times you have a mom and a dad that really they hold the cards, right? It's, it's their decision uh, for how uh, stuff is going to be transitioned to the next generation. What about when you have conflict with people that don't maybe not have the authority, right? So I have a sibling that I have a conflict with, but really my beef is with mom and dad and how it's going to, how they're going to make the decision. Um, how do these work in that type of scenario? The same way, right? So if your beef is with mom and dad and you're avoiding talking to them about it, so you decide to compete against your sibling, right? To see, well, if I beat them down, I'm going to get it, right? So your conflict mode is very different. That's exactly, that's kind of like where the authority is. The authority is mom and dad and they, they don't, um, they didn't have a process or don't have a process where they're taking in the opinions of their children that are going to be part of that business, right? Part of that professional development of succession planning is bringing in the next generation and making decisions together. And so what happens when that is, is there's sometimes a perceived, um, uh, a perception between siblings that they're the favorite of the parents because they might be getting things that are different. So that the siblings all they know between the two of them is how to compete, a compete or avoid. And the, with the parents, it's basically all avoidance of the conflict. And that's not, not that you're avoiding them, right? It's not that. Because sometimes the closest of families have the most dysfunctional conflict modes, <laughs> right? So close, this is not related to how close you are to somebody, right? You can be very close to your parents and be a very close family, and still not be able to deal with conflict and having hard conversations, right? Without anybody then going, going off and just avoiding and not coming back. So sometimes we think, oh, if it's a family that kind of seems to be always like tussling or something that they're not close, but they might actually be closer in some ways because they're getting their things out there um, than somebody that hardly, a family that hardly ever really discusses these hard things but seem very close because there seems to be a lack of conflict there. There's also um, a bit of a difficulty with recognizing that you have conflict with your parents versus conflict with your siblings. It's a bit easier to live with yourself a little bit when you are like, you've always had a bit of conflict and competition with your siblings. And so that's a more natural avenue to go with the conflict. Uh, when really what you need to just is, to do is have a discussion with the parents in a different way of conflict. And so I think that's just kind of hard to, to work through for people as well. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's where we really need to rely on that senior generation to take the leadership when we're talking about succession and transition, they need to be the ones to really talk to the successor generation, try to see what everybody wants, try to see, you know, what their goals are and communicate their goals and what they want to happen to the farm and to really get those conversations started. It can really avoid a lot of conflict if the, if the, you know, if the senior generation starts those conversations and tries to do some fact finding and open up those conversation lines before we get to this place of where we're competing with our sibling over something where we just don't know what's going to happen. 
Yeah, it sounds like sometimes the avoiders may be the senior generation, right? Because they they perceive that there could be conflict with the younger generation of, okay, this they may not perceive what we're doing as fair, so we're just not going to uh, get our plan out there and avoid it altogether. They don't want to give up their beautiful holiday. or They think they're going to have to give up their beautiful holiday if they talk about it, and they don't want to do that. So, yeah, <laughs> sometimes they really just have to have to break it out there, though. <laughs> and the earlier that conversation can start, the more you can work through it and the more you can continue the relationship of the family because it's not all of a sudden, boom, a decision is made. That discussion and opening the conversation by the older generation is so vital. So these are the methods uh, to really, you know, uh, address the conflict. Uh, but let's think about resolution now. So Renee, I'll, I'll ask you this. When, when we're talking resolution, what do we mean by a resolution to the conflict? So resolution is where we get to that. We work through the issue and we get to a point where we can lay the issue to rest is what I think about when I think about resolution. So resolution may or may not occur. And if we focus too much on that final outcome, we could really miss the chance to work through those conflicts and to gain understanding that really helps us get to a resolution. And what if we don't reach a resolution? What, what should we do then? I think not reaching a final resolution is okay. Sometimes the resolution is the next step. Sometimes it's, hey, let's have a family meeting in a month and talk about this again. Or, hey, these are, this is what uh, this sibling is gonna work on, this sibling's gonna work on, or this sibling's gonna communicate with, we're gonna come back again in a month and we're gonna talk about this. So having a final resolution is not really a concern, it's more a next step. So you, you've given the listeners a lot to think about here, uh, and we've touched on this uh, a little bit, but what are the watchouts in this pro, uh, process, right? Obviously, we don't want to be too accommodating or too competing or, or too collaborating. We, we want to be balanced with how we approach it. We also don't want to avoid it altogether. Uh, but is there any, any general advice you would give families going through this farm transition process to help uh, with this process? I would say that more talking is better than less and not everybody's a talker though. So that doesn't mean running over and rushing to talk, but that, you know, it's this whole communication piece and understanding who people are. I think it's important. I think we tend to think we know who people are in our families, um, but really trying to think about who, trying to take a step back and say, okay, this person has this personality style and these values, and this is the way that they, they react to things. So some people react really well to change, others do not. So how do we start the process of really taking personal responsibility of how we react and then trying to figure out how will others react and start that process? And that these things do not get resolved in a day. Succession is a long-term process. And so when you're talking about something as important as that, thinking that one conversation once a year might do it is probably not going to get you to the outcome or resolution that, you, that you're looking for to have a healthy business and a healthy family. I agree, Maria. My family's working through the situation right now and it, we've, we're into year two of discussions where we're continuing to work through this. And for us, 
you know, we came to an agreement that the most important thing during these discussions was to keep the family relationships intact. And so in working through that, that's always our final and ultimate goal at the end of any communication, but knowing that we need to progress and move each conversation forward. So I think this has been a a great discussion on conflict management. Obviously, this is a very important topic when it comes to farm farm transition planning, because uh, you can't, Heather, I like what you said, uh, moving that the conversation forward and getting to that next step. Uh, And if conflict prohibits that, it's going to stall your farm transition process. So it's definitely imperative uh, that you take a balanced approach, take a step back and think about where uh, the other parties in the negotiations are coming from. Uh, so I just want to remind the listeners for more economic information, please visit us at the Purdue Center for Commercial Ag at our website at purdue.edu slash commercial ag. Um, and also visit the Purdue Institute for Family Business website at purdue.edu slash agecon slash fambiz. Uh, also want to remind listeners that this is uh, part of the Farm Transit transition series. So the the link to the other episodes in the farm farm transition series will be in the description below. And also to go visit uh, the Purdue Institute for Family Business YouTube page um, for more great content and information on farm farm transition planning. Uh, On behalf of the Center for Commercial Agriculture and the Purdue Institute for Family Business and the entire farm transition team, I'm Brady Byrne. We thank you for listening.